Ratia, welcome to Beyond. I'm so glad to have you on the show. Hi, thanks. Absolutely. So for the audience's sake, I'd like to uh, sort of give a preamble of your, of your background and what you're involved in. So Bertil is Chief Executive Officer of Weiss Place, and she's led the organization since 2018. With more than 15 years in sales and management, she brings her business sense to the nonprofit community. In Bertil's first year with Weiss Place, she mainstreamed program operations and increased the number of Weiss Place clients served by 182% all while stabilizing and growing the financials by 53%. Weiss Place also expanded to add a lower barrier emergency shelter in addition to its existing transitional shelter. Under Bertil's leadership, Weiss Place is now embarking on a development partnership to build 50 plus units of permanent supportive housing. Additionally, she expanded critical uh, quality by bringing in trauma-informed care with a focus on mental health, counseling, and psychiatric support in addition to other holistic needs such as alcohol and substance recovery medical needs. Uh, again, Bertil, it's so nice to have you on the show. Fired up to hear about your story, your journey, and what drives your passion. Um, and, and wow, you're, you're involved in some pretty important stuff with Wise Place really focusing uh, on, certainly on the homeless problem we have here, uh, not only in California, but America. So Bertil, before we jump into that, take us back to where this all got started for you. Did you always envision that you would be in this kind of role or what led to to where you're at today? Um, no, I don't think I, I envisioned it. Um, uh, my family immigrated here from the Middle East when I was very young. I was about uh, seven years old. And so, you know, I grew up on welfare. I knew what it was like to live in a household where we couldn't afford rent. So we moved almost every year growing up. Um, I, and my household was filled with love, so I feel so fortunate. I had grandparents and aunts um, and a brother and a single mom who really worked so hard. And so I got to see that at a young age, that even though we didn't have much, um, you know, I saw her get up every day, learn English, work two or three jobs, work graveyard shifts. We, were, we lived in the best neighborhood. So I saw... Um, I saw what it took to make a difference. And I, I just, you know, I wanted to do the same. <clears throat> My last year at Cal State Fullerton, I interned at um, an organization and they offered me a job. Um, and you know, your last year of college, you're just happy to have a job, right. <laughs> a real job. Obviously I was working throughout college um, and it was at a nonprofit and I, I've never looked back. That's amazing. So let's talk about your, your, your sort of educational experience. So you received a degree with a BA in um, sociology and a BA in women's studies. Um, I'll also add that you're a valedictorian in women's studies and a summa cum laude in sociology. What was your vision in pursuing these degrees? I mean, where would you think this would take you in getting those particular degrees? To be honest, this is a little embarrassing to say, but I don't know where it would take me. Um, uh, you know, I was always working kind of sales and, and marketing in college. I had one or two jobs for um, the five years it took me to uh, graduate from Cal State Fullerton because I was working a full-time job and a part-time job at the time. Um, so I can't say I had this master plan. I wish that I could. Some people are so much um, better about that. I did not have this master plan, to be honest with you. I didn't really even know what a nonprofit was um, back then until I interned. And then I saw that, wow, you know, this is a business just like any other. It needs smart, hardworking people. Um, and so I jumped right in. 
So your parents and your mom, uh, you know, single mom, she must be so very proud of you and where you ended up given the journey you went on. So obviously that journey you were on um, really motivated and galvanized your energy towards something highly positive. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, my mom deserves a lot of credit for raising my brother and I. Um, you know, it, it was difficult. It was definitely difficult. And I don't think, you know, as an adult, you don't ever forget that. Um, where we would only have food if we had food stamps, you know, and so I still remember those as an adult woman of, you know, what it's like to be in the grocery store line and, and, and get your food with food stamps. But here I was and I had a mom who was working um, so incredibly hard to make the life of myself and my brother different. Right. Um, you had an interesting mix of ingredients in your upbringing, right? You had the struggle, the uncertainty of food, you had food stamps, you had a single mom. And then as I think about where you ended up out of college with Wise Place, it was like the perfect storm because you had this perfect background to really appreciate um, the clients you're serving at Wise Place, what they're going through. So you've taken a very important role with Wise Place, who has the mission of ending homelessness for women. As you, uh, as you may know, the U.S. Supreme Court decided on last month against hearing an appeal in the city of Boise versus Martin, letting it, uh, a standard ruling that curbs police power to prevent homeless from sleeping on public property if no other shelter is available. This non-decision, in essence, in turn, leaves cities or organizations needing to offer shelter and services to help the homeless population. So how is WisePay's solutions working from homeless in light of this ruling? You know, as an organization, we've been in the Santa Ana community since the 1920s. We first started off as the Y. Um, but for 32, 33 years, we've run transitional services. And in March of 2018, our organization really stepped up and was part of the solution for the county. So we opened up our doors virtually overnight to an additional 60 women um, from the lawsuit that was here locally in Orange County. So we've really stepped up as an organization to provide women support and safety, but also to provide safety to our whole county here in Orange County. Now, in terms of the women you service, what's the age range? I mean, can you take in women that are sex trafficked? I mean, is it 14 to 60 or how do you guys think about that? So we serve um, adult unaccompanied women. So we serve 18 in 2019. We serve 18 to 88. Um, in 2018, we had a 92-year-old woman who was our most senior woman. So we have a fairly large percentage of senior women, but we start our services at 18. So what is unique about the Wise Place approach? I mean, what if you were to encapsulate it for our audience, what would you say makes it unique and and how you approach this this very challenging problem? Sure. Um, so our what makes us unique, I would say one is that we are the only organization in all of Orange County um, to focus on unaccompanied women. Um, so there are a lot of really amazing partner organizations that serve families or women with children, and thank goodness for that. Um, but we are the only organization that serves unaccompanied women. So for an unaccompanied woman, what, when we say that, what we mean is a woman that does not have children with her for various reasons or a spouse or family. Mm -hmm. So she is essentially all alone without the safety of our organization. Well, so I've read that there's been attempts to criminalize homelessness. What, what are your thoughts on that effort to criminalize homelessness? Yeah, um, that doesn't make any sense. You know, it, it really doesn't do our community any good to criminalize homelessness. Being homeless is not a crime. 
Um, people are homeless for all types of reasons. In Orange County, data will show you that people are homeless for three reasons. Lack of affordable housing, lack of sustainable wages in employment, and what um, the county refers to as family dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And so that could be something like domestic violence. And um, I don't think anybody who is a survivor of domestic violence or who cannot afford a home um, deserves to be criminalized. I couldn't agree more with you. I mean, that, that to me is just is crazy. So when you think about someone who's homeless, there's definitely a continuum of care that's involved, right? There's you know, people that are coming in on an emergency basis, or maybe they're looking for more permanent housing. Uh, they're looking for transition shelter. Mm -hmm. um, how, how do you guys think about that continuum of care and how do you approach um, those three different types of shelters, if you will? Mm -hmm. So again, for 33 years, we offered transitional support to about 100 women a year. And then in March of 2018, we opened our doors to a um, emergency shelter. So that really pivoted our organization to evolve. And so now we serve over 320 women. We also are one of um, the few organizations that allow women to come into our shelter who have domestic animals. So um, nobody has an alligator or anything like that. But it is, you know, our furry friends, puppies and kitties. And when you think about an unaccompanied woman, um, you know, this is something that's a little misunderstood when you're an unaccompanied woman and you're on the streets, you're really alone. So if you have, say, your dog with you, your dog is not only your family and your friend, but your dog is also your protector, like your physical protector from being assaulted on the streets as a single woman. Um, and so, you know, we have the, the transitional shelter that serves a little over 40 women at any given time. We have in our emergency shelter that serves uh, 60 women uh, plus our furry friends. So altogether, we are supporting over 100 women every day um, at Wise Place. So obviously, shelter um, is one of our core competencies. We start with shelter. It's a housing first approach, which means you, you secure shelter for somebody. And then there's a lot of trauma in homeless populations. And I think that's something that is unfortunately um, misunderstood in the community. There's a lot of um, sexual assault. There's a lot of domestic violence that leads a woman to become homeless. Mm -hmm. And so we have all types of wraparound services. So it's that combination of shelter plus wraparound services um, that allows a woman to really rebuild her life. Now, these women you find and come across, I presume they don't have cell phones. I mean, maybe they don't have ID. So how do they end up finding Wise Place to begin with? Yeah, so we are open 24 hours a day, every day, uh, seven days a week. And so the county uh, has a really great referral line. And so anybody can come to us through the county referral line. We have many women who just show up at our shelter. And so we will help them do intakes and assessments um, pretty immediately. And, and um, where, where's the shelter located? Do you have multiple shelters or one main campus that they go to? We have one main campus uh, here, a shelter in Santa Ana, and then we have an offsite, a smaller shelter, um, a home in Santa Ana as well. So if women come, in on, uh, come to you on an emergency basis or emergent basis, mm -hmm. um, I presume what, what causes the trigger for them to come into your program or do you accept everybody that's coming on an emergency basis? Um, well, you know, we can accept over 102 women um, at any given time. So if we have space, 
um, which is the hard part, the occupancy part, but that's why there is, you said, continuum of care. You know, the county has a continuum of care where all of us shelter providers, you know, uh, support one another. And so if we don't have occupancy, somebody else will. If somebody else doesn't have occupancy and we do, then we support that person. Um, uh, so, you know, it really is a partnership and um, I'm sorry, I lost track of your question, Ben. No, no that's fine. That, that, was, that was well said. So as I think about coming in there on an emergency basis and I'm trying to transition to something more permanent, what's the average duration of a homeless woman when they come and meet you for the first time and they get intake to a point where they have a more permanent solution? Is that like a two month, three mm -hmm. month, one month? How does that look? That's a great question. I mean, everybody's journey is different because everybody is different and their struggle is different. Um, so in our transitional shelter, usually about six to eight months, somebody will be in our transitional shelter, get a case manager, uh, access to psychiatric support, counseling, we'll set goals, creation, help women, um, you know, get and keep a job, save money. So th that can take about six to nine months. Um, to, to support somebody. And then in the emergency shelter, it really does vary um, a lot. Um, some women, we can help them kind of move on to the more permanent housing. Um, in that same time frame, it could be, it really varies. And when you talk about permanent housing, what does that look like? Is that state funded? Is that state backed where they have assisted living or how, do, how does that work? Um, yeah, it can for some people. Um, because we have a transitional shelter, a lot of that will look um, as somebody is getting a job, going to counseling, saving since there's no fees at Wise Place, um, going through all of our wraparound services. And then what we can do now, and I'm really proud to say starting last year in 2019, we're able to kind of meet that gap. Um, so even if a woman is working and working full time and saving her money and going to counseling and doing all the right things, um, putting down your first month's rent plus your deposit here in Orange County becomes a huge barrier. Um, right. A lot of people don't don't have three four thousand dollars. Often it takes to mm -hmm. get into your first you know your own apartment, and right. so our organization is able to meet that gap thanks to um, generous funders. Um, so we are able to um, help the woman by helping with rental deposits, first month's rent, um, furnishings such as refrigerators, beds, things like that. So in a lot of cases, um, no, it's not, it's not government um, funded. It is a, a woman who is rebuilding her life, um, has found safety and taken advantage of all of our wraparound services of Wise Place. And then we're able to help her transition into her own apartment. That's wonderful. So what are some of the uh, specific programs you could talk about um, that you offer to help these women move from homelessness to a path of personal self-reliance? I mean, ultimately, that's the goal, right, where they can stand their own two feet. They have the support around them so they can live their own lives, um, hopefully productively. So mm -hmm. what are the programs that you offer specifically to, to help these women? Sure. Well, we call it our Steps to Independence program. It's kind of the wise place way where you get a case manager, um, you have a financial empowerment case manager, you have a dedicated case manager. So you have kind of instantly two people who are right there for you um, day in and day out, seven days a week, 24 hours a day to help support you. Um, 
and help you rebuild financially. So savings, budgeting, opening up checking accounts, relying on traditional banks. Um, socialization is huge at Wise Place and something we've really worked hard on in 2019 um, through corporate partnerships and corporate volunteers, um, people coming in to share their talents with our women and helping with job coaching um, or even things like art projects. You know, we do art projects once a week. We do yoga once a week to really have a holistic approach mm -hmm. to supporting a woman. That's really important. Um, health and wellness. We work with CalOptima and other um, healthcare providers, bring them into the shelter, make it really easy uh, for people to gain access to healthcare. Um, and then just a really proactive approach to uh, any recovery mm -hmm. uh, and for the first time in 2019 our shelter um, does not require sobriety in the transitional program it used to require 90 day sobriety and that's a barrier yeah. um, and so you know we looked at we took a good look at that and said well isn't that time to change um, let's open our doors for somebody who is struggling with um, addiction and recovery and we've started our own um, internal weekly groups that have been extremely powerful for women to rebuild their lives. Mm -hmm. um, so again, it's, it's everything. It's housing assistance. It's, that is our program. So anybody at Wise Place has access to those, all of those programs. Well, it's the ultimate social safety net for these women. And it's, it's really exciting to hear the, the work you're doing. And you know, when you think about uh, drug or alcohol-ism, um, it really is an addiction. It really is a disease. And it's not like these women, women can flip a switch and say, I've decided I've chosen um, to go cold turkey. It's really a process. And you look at the 12-step program, I've known people that were alcoholics, and it is a massive struggle uh, to get to a place where you got some sense of control over it. So really kudos to Wise Place and, and opening those doors up to those, those vulnerable women to help, you know, hopefully help get them back on their feet. But I did read um, that women that go to Wise Place, these are pretty impressive statistics, 75% transition to stable housing mm -hmm. and 81% of teen employment. So your program is obviously having great impact. Yes. You know, I'm incredibly proud of the team um, and we don't do it alone. Um, you know, we, we really opened our doors in 2019 to um, all types of corporate partners um, who can share their job coaching skills, their financial management and re really created kind of a public private partnership. Um, to help people stabilize financially. Um, obviously, we have a huge value in supporting women deal with trauma. That's, that's mm -hmm. something that's truly misunderstood, that the trauma a person faces really does hold them back. And so we help remove any of those barriers by giving uh, the ladies access to counseling and psychiatric support. So again, it really is our wraparound services. You know, if you took away even one of these support services, it, it wouldn't be the same right. um, because, you know, everybody needs a little bit of help. Um, and so our, our wraparound services can provide that. What percent of the women would you say come in there um, as a result of domestic violence? It is um, 50, 58%. Sorry. Big number. Big, big number. Yeah. So that, 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 that sort of uh, component where you're, you're offering counseling and, and working through, you know, almost like PTSD, depending on the relationship they're coming through, 
um, is really is really vital because their psyche, their their sense of self, um, how they see themselves in the world, the confidence, everything gets rocked when you go through that process. So to, I'd imagine that's a that that's got to be an important focal point of, of Weiss Place. Absolutely, that's definitely us. You know, supporting survivors of domestic violence. Over fifty percent of the women we serve are survivors of domestic violence at Weiss Place, and so um, you know we have very competent staff and. You know, our Wise Place way, our, our, our wraparound services um, speak to those needs of rebuilding trust, of, of feeling safe. You know, oftentimes uh, when a woman first comes to our shelter, they've either been living in their car, um, they've been living in fear, right? Sure. The courage to one day leave an abusive partner and leave an abusive relationship, perhaps left jobs behind. Um, and so when they come to Wise Place, a lot of the women actually will just sleep for 24 hours. Mm. They will have access to a shower and a meal and clean clothes. And then because it's like the first good night's sleep that they've had in a long time because they finally feel safe. And if you don't feel safe, if you are fearful for your life, you, you don't have the capacity to show up every day and right. go, let's say. Right. I you could function with that constantly being part of, of the background. Right. Yeah. So, so obviously you have a 75% transitioning to, to stable housing. There is a percentage that goes to wise place that maybe, maybe recidivism rates the wrong word, but there is a percentage that it's cyclical. They, they leave and they come back. So maybe that's 25% or whatever the number is. Um, you know, so in terms of those people, is there anything your program provides to ensure these women can eventually land on their feet and sustain a stable situation or is it just you know part of the statistics that some will take and and others are just you know born to struggle you know 87 cents on every dollar that somebody donates um, goes to direct services um, so our services are very powerful we're putting our resources um, using them in the right way directly to support the women um, you know what what could be in that statistic um, and something for our community to think about is what I always remind people is that everybody's goal, and this is a little controversial to say, but you know, we don't apologize for it. Everybody's goal is not employment, right? right. So for example, especially at Wise Place, when we serve such a, a vulnerable senior population of women, women that are 70, 80, 90 years old, I don't apologize. I'm not trying to find a 92 year old woman a job, right? Um, that, that would be unfair. She has most likely probably worked um, most of her life. So um, I, th I think it's important for the community to have realistic expectations. And yes, not everybody um, will be able to rebuild on their first try, um, just like you and I have failed in our lives uh, at the first try at something. Um, you know, so the, the human journeys still applies to a person who's experiencing homelessness mm -hmm. but also um you know for the community to understand that when you look at statistics like that you're also talking about um senior women and for us you know over 40 percent of the women we serve are also physically disabled um i remember when i was interviewing and i took a, a recent tour of wise place and i went into our emergency shelter it's it's honestly the reason why I took the job is because I looked into our emergency shelter and I saw Your women who were 70, 80, and 90. And it, I just knew, you know, that this, we can do better as a community. So again, those senior women, they're not going to find jobs, right? right. 
So to ha we shouldn't have the expectation that um, any person experiencing homelessness, that success is getting and keeping a job, um, because that's not going to be everybody's goal. But so for our senior women, you know, getting them into assisted living or um, helping them navigate the system really is something that we have focused a lot on for our senior populations and those that have physical disabilities or potentially some mental health barriers. Um, you know, even if you and I um, sat behind the computer and said, okay, use this, you know, government website and apply for SSDI or disability or social security. You mean it's really easy to use government websites? <laughs> or any website. <laughs> you need a PhD from MIT to work some of those. <laughs> you do. And so yeah. that's part of success, right? Especially for an older uh, person or somebody where the goal is not going to be employment. Um, keeping and sustaining employment is not going to work for that person's journey, then our job is to help them navigate those resources and to help sure that they can, they too can rebuild their life, but it's just gonna look a little different. Right, so how many individuals in Orange County are classified as homeless? Uh, you know, is it 5,000, is it 10,000? What, what does that number look like? It's a little under 7,000 for our Orange County community. Okay, and then, you know, you, you really mentioned the senior population, so I did read where senior women over the age of 62 are the fastest growing population of women experience homelessness. And so I'm just curious, what makes that group so vulnerable? I mean, how do they go from one level of living to a homeless level of living? You know, this is not a political statement, right? But our, our healthcare system is broken. Um, and so it is very expensive, it is hard to navigate and things change. And if you are 70, 80, 90, whether you are homeless or not, um, those are hard systems to navigate. There are so many women that um, find themselves at Wise Place and they have worked, um, but then they had something healthcare related that really um, chipped away at their finances. They lost their job because of it and then they find themselves homeless. So again, to no fault of their own, um, some, you know, a woman who is dealing with cancer, let's say, or a woman who's had an accident. Um, we had a woman who had an accident and one of her legs got amputated. And that, again, to no fault of her own, um, that became the spiral towards poverty and homelessness. And she found herself at Wise Place. Mm. Um, and so, you know, people need help navigating systems. People need people like Wise Place, our case managers, to advocate for them. Um, and, and we can do that. Yeah. So let me transition a little bit. We're in this pandemic. We're in historic times, clearly. Um, what has been the biggest impact of COVID-19 on your mission? It has been an extremely challenging four or five weeks um, for Wise Place. I am so thankful um, to report that nobody at our shelter, our staff, or the women we serve um, have been affected um, or even showing symptoms by COVID-19. Um, I feel like I started a panic a little bit before everybody else did. So I think my panic uh, uh, worked in our favor. Um, most, you know, March 16th, I think the day is off the top of my head. I started to look at the CDC recommendations and take them extremely seriously because I have such a high percentage of women that are over 60 and have compromised health. Right. Um, and so we put human lives first, and it is incredibly expensive. 
Um, but over a month ago, we started to target the women that were 16 above and, and had compromised health regardless of age and started to thin out our shelter essentially. So we went and found um, motel partnerships and started to rent out motel rooms at the cost of you know $50 a night per person. And so it's incredibly expensive, but um, I was not going to wait um, for uh, resources to come up. We were gonna do the right thing first. Good for you. So that leads me to the next question, obvious question. So as we think about what shakes up from COVID, we know I've heard estimates of a 30% unemployment rate. So you just mentioned that a lot of these women lost their job, lost their healthcare benefits. And we know there's going to be a massive ripple effect coming out of, of COVID. And I know, you know, there's been talk about we don't want the cure worse than the disease. And the reality is when you come out of this disease and we, you know, with whatever um, we use to fight it eventually, um, the issue is going to be a lot of people lost their jobs. I've read um, there's going to be historic potential suicide. So there's going to be a lot of mental health. There's going to be a lot of people losing their jobs. Mm -hmm. And you guys, again, are a social fabric. You guys are the net that captures people. So as you think moving forward um, in the next five to six months, maybe even year, how do you see COVID um, impacting Weiss Place in your ability to serve, I, I would argue, a growing population of homeless women? Yeah, our services are going to be needed now more than ever. I think right now we just have our foot on the gas and we are not letting go. Um, again, the biggest thing was that I have 102 women essentially under one roof. That was the first thing that we had to do is to, is to space out our women in creative solutions and make sure that our meals, we supply every meal. Um, you know, we provide over 69,000 meals a year. Um, and so our meal services, our case management, our mental health services, they haven't stopped. They look a little different and we're not all under one roof right now, but um, you know, our, our team is definitely on the front lines and those that are working um, and have been reduced hours or things like that, we're able to right now through the generous um, donations of our community um, and private donations, we're able to support their ability to pay their rent, to keep their health care and things like that. So again, it's because of our wraparound services that we have this team of case managers um, that are able to um, meet someone where they are. Um, and you know, the situation's changing daily, hour, hour by hour. Um, so I don't take for granted that we have kept everybody safe um, and will continue to do so. And we will look for um, creative ways to increase our services. Do you guys partner with churches like Saddleback or other like-minded churches where they do have a big outreach for homeless and people that are uh, disadvantaged or going through difficult economic times? Yeah, we're very lucky. Um, we work with a lot of churches um, who have really stepped up for us. Um, so every, for example, every Friday night, um, we have a church who provides dinner to the whole house. And that is huge. Um, you know, they no longer come to serve it, uh, which makes sense for everybody's safety, sure. but they still, um, they still cook it with love. It is delicious and warm and nutritious and it helps us out financially. Um, every meal costs us about $500, which is almost nothing when you consider we're feeding, you know, a woman for less than $5 a day with a nutritious, balanced, warm meal. But everything adds up, especially when we're now paying for things like motels and our case management is uh, spread out through the county. Right, so what percent of the money raised for Wise Place uh, comes from charity? Um, I don't know that, <laughs> I'm sorry. 
Um, you know, we, we have government contracts, we have grants, we have corporate support, we have- Do you receive money from the state of California through grants or- We do, we have a victims of crime grant because of the, the women we serve are very vulnerable. So we have uh, varied finances. So we do have private um, individual donations and then we have government support and corporate support. So our finances are pretty varied. What is the biggest need for Wise Place today? Um, today, um, as we deal with COVID, uh, financial donations um, so that we can um, keep our staff on the front lines, um, keep providing meals. And, and there's things that, you know, I know oftentimes the community feels very hope, hopeless or feels like, how do I get involved? And um, even as you're shopping, if you want to add a box of granola bars and, and, and ship it to us, uh, we have an Amazon wish list on our website. Um, and then the meals. Uh, I'm not a cooker. I don't, I don't want to cook a meal either, but you know, I can sponsor a meal and make sure that vulnerable women in our shelter, um, you know, are still supported. That's a great idea. When people go shopping, get something extra and, and send it to you. So natural next question, where can they send it to? I mean, what, how, how can they connect it to you and, and send this, this uh, you know, food and product to you? Yeah, our, our website is very user-friendly, uh, wiseplace.org. Um, you'll see an Amazon wish list. Our address is on there. It's not a confidential address. Um, so you can ship it right to our shelter. And again, we are still working. Um, we are there seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And so we are on the front lines and, and we would appreciate that support. Yeah. So when, when that, when they go to Amazon, it's not just food stuffs. It could be any stuffs that are helpful to these women. Is that true? Yeah. It's an essential, um, wish list essentially. Okay. Wonderful. That's, that's excellent. So um, let me transition a little bit more about you now. So I, I think you're really on the front lines of a war, uh, a war against homelessness. And I know a lot of people I've talked to are, are troubled by it. I remember the Santa Ana River Trail where they just had numbers of, of tents set up and um, it, it just a, a tough thing to see in the backdrop of Southern California, um, you know, realistically a very wealthy part of the country. Um, and so as we transition um, into more about you, what has been the biggest or most influential person uh, in your life? Oh gosh. Um, the most influential person in my life would probably be um, my grandparents. So I'm sorry, I can't choose one because they are a unit. Um, they were an amazing couple um, and they really raised uh, my brother and I um, and they, the biggest thing, and I really, um, they've both passed away, unfortunately, my grandparents, but, you know, I remember their words and their encouragement to not judge anybody, um, that you could be in somebody else's shoes and that you don't know their journey. And I, I pull from that every day at Wise Place. Absolutely. So what is the most important lesson you've learned in life? The most important lesson as I continue to learn in life is, um, to have my actions speak louder than my words. I think mm -hmm. that's something that I built my career on and at Wise Place now more than ever with homelessness and COVID, that um, intent is a wonderful thing, but action is what's needed to keep our community safe and, and to help vulnerable women. Well, that's powerful. That, that, that's amazing what you just said and, and probably a lot to unpack with what you just said uh, for sure. So for future generations listening, um, is there any wisdom you'd like to pass on to them? So if they listen to this in 10 years and 15 years, 
what wisdom would you, or maybe it's related to um, nonprofits, maybe it's related to helping homeless, and there's never nonprofits out there, but what wisdom would you share to the future generation? What would you want them to know? Um, it is challenging, it is hard, um, but it is so worth it. And um, just to keep fighting the good fight, it is worth it, it makes a difference, and um, as cheesy as it sounds, to not give up. You know, every minute of my day is different. Like this morning, I had plans and they totally changed because the women at the shelter, um, you know, needed us. And so I think just try and just to strive for excellence and to keep pushing yourself and be open to feedback. That's something that has been incredibly difficult for me. I've always served vulnerable populations, um, but, being the CEO of Wisepace has kind of put me in the limelight and I'm, I'm not necessarily used to um, that, let's say. That's a, a learning opportunity for me personally and I continue to learn. Um, but um, just to do what's right mm -hmm. and that, you know, the truth always comes out. And so just continue to do what's right and put people first. Right. Is there anything we've not covered that you'd like to share with the audience? Um, just know that as Wise Place and service providers, um, you know, we, we are doing our best to keep our communities safe and that we need your help. Um, we don't do this alone. And so I would love your partnership. Um, Wiseplace.org is a great place to start. My email is on our website. And I would just, I would love to hear from the community. Um, whether you agree with us or don't agree with us, I think the dialogue is important. So even as we deal with COVID, um, 19, I would still love to have a dialogue with the community and just need the community support to, you know, we can do better. Um, and we are, but it really takes a community. It really does. I think a lot of people in the community have intention. They would mm -hmm. like to help. They don't know how to do it. Right. And I think the opportunity of exposing wise place and what you're doing and letting people know you're around, um, and what you're doing, I think will hopefully uh, increase the dialogue, increase the support and certainly help these uh, very vulnerable populations. So, Ratil, thank you so much for coming on Beyond. Really enjoyed the conversation. You're doing thank some you. very, very important work. Because I think about what I do in my day, it pales in comparison to what you're doing, where you're actually changing and touching lives in a very direct way. So thank you for what you do. Thanks so much. I look forward to giving you a tour when you can revisit us. <laughs> yes, post-COVID, that sounds good. That day will come. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank, thank you, Ratil. Thanks.